Hey yo, I'm Katie. And it's your co-host Corey, and this is the Press Next Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Press Next Podcast. Welcome back. Hey. We're so excited to have you for another week. We we um are more than excited because we got things moving and shaking. And last week's episode, I feel it was like a good episode. Yeah, I do too. You feel the same? Yep. Yeah. We had a lot of great conversation and um it was cathartic. <laughs> I don't know if it was necessarily cathartic, but it was nice too. How'd y'all feel about that uh alien story though? That's hey, the lease is up, bro. And mm. that story was amazing. And the person who actually uh let me or allowed me to to release that story uh she hit me up again and was like look i'm more than willing to come on an episode <gasps> to just talk about it and talk i love about how more you stuff. don't even tell me these things until we get on here well how do i get your honest response if I'm- but yes okay you haven't even told me who it is anyways nah, yes i think we should have them on because i think people want to hear more about that <laughs> do y'all want a special episode y'all want a special episode if y'all want a special episode we'll give you a special episode don't Let's have nothing go. to do with nothing we just surprise drop it uh that'll be cool so yeah i'll, I'll get with her and see what she want to do she said she'd be more than willing so she got I all bet. the stuff we can hook up you know what <laughs> i mean this. Uh, but welcome back, everybody. Thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for being here. Um, again, if you do want to be a guest on the show or if you want to submit any stories or anything, you can always email us at pressnextpodcast uh, at gmail.com. You can also click the link in our bio on Instagram. There's a lot of forms and stuff you can sign up for there. Um, so here's the thing. I'm going to run the list real quick. If you want to be a guest, you can sign up for a form on there called guest request form. Just sign up. We'll reach out to you. If you want to get a Press Next package, you go and sign up for the Press Next package. That's where we randomly just mail you out a package of goodies uh, once a month. So if you want to do that, it's free of charge to you. We just want to show love. You can do that as well. There are other things on the link there as, as our um, our Venmo and our Cash App because uh, we are self-funded and we would love uh, your help with some love. coin uh, so we can create a better experience for y'all. Uh, but we appreciate all of our listeners. We also want to know like where all of our listeners are from. So we're located in Dallas now. Whoop, whoop. Even though they just kind of rolled out the mass mandate again. So we <laughs> we back at one, baby. We back at one. That's shout okay. Out to, shout out to Brian Knight. Um, Real quick. Let's talk about this, though. Uh-huh. Um, let's just... Because it's so crazy that like... We made progress, and now I feel like we're going backwards. And I don't... Of course, there's a new variant, um, which plays a heavy role into this. It's just like... uh, It's frustrating because it felt like things were getting back to normal and like we had a little taste of... Freedom. A little taste of that. Life before COVID. And now things are getting like mask mandates and I'm okay with wearing the mask. I don't care. I will wear the mask, whatever. Damn liberal snowflake. But it makes me anxious because I'm like, okay, well, what's next, right? 
like, are we going to go into a full on lockdown again? And people are like, oh, no, that would never happen. But people also said that we would never have masks again. So right. I don't know. It's kind of scary. I don't know. You just kind of follow the money. I don't think our economy can, could sustain another lockdown. Um, yeah. And I mean, when I say our economy, I mean, it would be really bad. But yeah. it's what we needed from the beginning, and really, we never really made progress. Like that's the that's that's how I look at it. We didn't make progress. We what we did was the people who are going to take this virus seriously, which was is a lot of people out there. They did that, and they, mm-hmm. of course, uh, put the team on their back. And so when the country in quotations opened up again, uh, those people also went out and responsible and got their vaccines. Responsible and got their vaccines. Uh, some of them even still masked up. And now we're going back to masking for the people who are unvaccinated. So again, I just feel like it's the people who are taking this virus seriously from the beginning. Again, once again, putting the team on their back um, and sacrificing their lives really for everybody else. So, But even, I mean, yes, I get what you're saying about um, wearing the mask for the unvaccinated. But even... It, we're still just wearing the mask because of how rampant this virus is, right? Because even if you do have the vaccine, you're not immune. Right. Well, I mean, that was the, the and that's why, and I, I do not want to push any misinformation here on this podcast. So I want all of the listeners and everybody to know we are not experts in this. We don't claim to be experts, but there's one thing that I will say. And the CDC was very, very transparent with this. They never once said that you would be immune from getting COVID. That's not what vaccines do. That's what cures do. Vaccines are not cures. So we knew that there was still a possibility of breakthrough cases whenever you get that. So the rampantness is still on the backs of the unvaccinated. If If we had herd immunity or we got to a point where everybody's vaccinated, then we get to eradicate viruses, um... If, if it's something that's not like the flu. Uh, but it seems to be like that because there's a bunch of different variants that continue to to to, to grow and and to shift. So yeah. sometimes that, that variant is actually built in a vaccinated person, right? Mm-hmm. Either way, I don't want to get too far in, we, in the weeds of the science, but here's what I will say, my pledge to everybody else, my charge to you, vaccinated or unvaccinated, please just think about your neighbor. Yeah. That's it. Just think about your neighbor. Whatever you want to do is what you want to do, but just think about your neighbor. Right. That's it. No, it's just it's just crazy and I'm interested to see where we'll be at at this point next week because I feel like things start happening so fast, right? Like uh first it was the schools coming in and saying that they were going to require masks and then the very right. next day the city comes in and says they're requiring masks. And my problem is not the mask. The mask is fine, whatever. But I'm anxious about what comes next, you know? And so I just don't want the world to shut down again. Yeah. And I I, really just don't want my job to be affected. Yeah, I feel you. I think all of our jobs are going to be affected. So that's probably where you should be expecting and not hoping that it doesn't, but almost expecting that it does. Right. Uh, I mean, I think that everything is going to be affected, but I mean, like my full job you know <laughs> no i feel you i feel you I, I think but it's we we're all i'm gonna say we're all in the same boat a lot of us are in the exact same position that you are in the same boat and my advice to y'all is do like we're it's not good okay we are in a whole ass pandemic you should expect it like bad to happen 
if anything, if it doesn't happen, then you should be happy, right? Like, but I'm not saying don't hope. Like, there is hope and you want to trust in other stuff. But, like, I'm going to assume that this shit's going to get worse before it gets better. And that means every aspect of my life is probably going to be affected, including my career. And it's going to look, you know, different. My job's going to look different. Um, I just hope that people don't get laid off again. I hope there's modifications and stuff like that. Um, oh, my goodness. I... I Man, we didn't mean to go dark that fast, but it is a reality of what we are going through today. So if you're listening from outside of the United States, um, we hope that y'all are safe um, and that you have access to uh, PPE, mask, uh, vaccinations, medicine, hospital beds. Um, and we just we want the world to be safe again. You know, True. make the world safe again. Is that a slogan? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just tired of death, man. Like I'm just, I'm tired of seeing everybody die, and especially over stuff that could be somewhat present, like preventable. Um, you know, on this like massive a scale in the whole world, not just right. America. You know, like right. Goodness gracious, people hitting me up on ventilators, and I heard somebody else, homeboys, on a ventilator today, and I'm like, golly, bro, like. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's sad. It's really sad. There's a lot of people affected. And you know what somebody else said? Somebody mm-hmm. said like they were like, "Oh, why are people not working?" Or there's two like two reasons to this, right? One is like, okay, people don't want to risk getting COVID, and then somebody else was like, "They're all dead." Like the people who used to work them jobs, who are coming back, who would need them jobs, they're not alive. Damn, I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's wild out here. It's wild out here. Didn't think about that. Weird. But um, okay. to transition, death comes in time. <laughs> okay. Death comes in time. And everything on this earth is in time. And today we are going to be talking about a movie called... In time. Let's well, go. I feel like you're preaching right now. I am preaching. Somebody cue up the organs real quick. Um, yes, it's a movie with uh, my guy, Justin Timberlake. I know people have canceled him and have said a bunch of things about him when it comes to Britney Spears and stuff like I'm that. I'm a huge Justin stan. But I like I Justin. And the thing is, people, you know, we got to offer some grace sometimes. Uh, but we have to hold people accountable. So anyway, we're going to talk about this movie and not his other um, uh, shenanigans. So I'm going to read you the plot of this film. I really really want you to watch this film okay it's called in time not end time i in space time Mm -hmm. okay now pause it here if you want to watch it and then listen because i'm about to probably give you some spoilers or you can listen to this and decide oh this is something i I might want to watch and then go watch it uh because this this movie mm, this movie okay it is really good it is 2160 the year 2169 so we, I'm, I'm, I'm long in the earth, okay? <laughs> long in the earth, okay? It's year 2169. People are genetically engineered to stop aging on their 25th birthday. So you live 25 years and you stop aging, which is like probably a lot of people's dream. Uh, when a one-year countdown begins on their form. So if you look on their arm, you'll see like numbers on their arm. So when you hit 25, uh, you, the, the countdown begins, And when that countdown reaches zero, the person times out and dies instantly. Mm -hmm. So time has thus become the universal currency, transferred directly between people or stored in time capsules. Several major areas areas called time zones exist. Right? Kind of like... 
Mm-hmm. What was that movie? Districts. Yeah. Yeah, they're districts mm-hmm. like uh, Hunger Games. <laughs> Uh, and, I'm like, and, yep, mm-hmm, that one. Yeah, them districts. Mm-hmm. And Dayton is the poorest, right? So it's a manufacturing ghetto where where people rarely have 24 hours on their clock. They're literally living day to day. Whereas in New Greenwich, people have enough time to essentially. What'd be you say? New Greenwich. That's what it's called. Greenwich. Greenwich. Isn't it Greenwich? I, I'm gonna pronounce it Greenwich. <laughs> okay. Would you like me to pronounce it Greenwich? How is Greenwich spelled? This yeah. is hilarious right now. Come on. Give it I'm to me. I'm pretty Maybe sure. Maybe I'm selling that shit wrong. I'm pretty sure that's how. Let's see. Let's see. I'm going to look it up right now. Here we go. Um, mm-hmm. What? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get, look it up on. Um, on Google real quick. Y'all, why she do this to me? She finna make me like a whole. How to pronounce? Greenwich Village. So it's Greenwich. Why is a W silent? That's what somebody asked on Google. (laughs) Okay, so it's a British. Because I remember. Yes, because it's a British word. Yes. Okay, so I'm sorry, not Greenwich. Greenwich. Thank you, uh, Katie, for getting me right. You're welcome. Y'all see how she do me, but I appreciate it. I wouldn't want you to be embarrassed out here. I am. So you just embarrassed me to, to not want me to be embarrassed. I'm just joking. I love you. Um, so again, Dayton is the poorest of the um, factions. It's mm-hmm. a manufacturing ghetto. And then New Greenwich is where Which people... Which is in New York, right? Yeah. 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 Um, people have enough time to essentially be like immortal. Right. Uh, so it's These crazy. These are like your upper... The upper West echelon, like the one percenters, you know what I'm saying? They're the one percenters. <clears throat> so Will Salas, who Will is a uh, Justin Timberlake. So Will is a 28-year-old Dayton factory worker. Um, he lives with his 50-year-old mother, Rachel. And one night he rescues a drunken 105-year-old man named Henry Hamilton from 75-year-old Fortis and his Minutemen. Now, the Minutemen are people who are like timekeepers, but they're not timekeepers. They're, they're more like... um. They're kind of like, like the thugs. IRS. Yeah. That, well, no, 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 no. That's different. That's, that's a different group. Those are timekeepers. The Minutemen are like your bookies. You know what I'm saying? Like you you bet on something they came to collect. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So um, so this 105-year-old man is getting beat up by the Minutemen, but Will saves them. Um, and in a secret location, because they, they kind of run away to the secret location, Hamilton, who has 116 years on his clock. So mind you, he's already 105 years old, but it still mm-hmm. has 116 years on his clock. That's how rich this man is. Is tired of living. This man is tired of living. So he reveals to Will that the people in New Greenwich hoard most of the time while constantly increases price, increasing prices to keep poor people dying. Mm, does it sound like something? Anyway, the next morning, he transfers all but five minutes of his time to Will. Will was sleeping. And all you have to do to transfer time is like you grab another person's arm and you like turn it over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he went to a bridge and he timed out and he fell off the bridge before Will can stop him because Will's like chasing him to try to give him his time back. And so Raymond Leon, the 75-year-old leader of a, a unit of police-like timekeepers, erroneously assumes that Will robbed and killed Hamilton because that kind of makes sense, right? So the timekeepers, mm-hmm. I'm going to just go through this again. The timekeepers are people who are like the FBI, CIA, IRS, right? They want to make sure that people aren't, aren't stealing time. Uh, which is like stealing money because it's the currency now. And so they think 
that Will, who now has, who is from a poor ass faction, now has a hundred and something years. Like, come right. on, bro, something is wrong. So they think immediately, oh, he he killed him and he robbed him. So now they're investigating. Mm-hmm. So in New Greenwich, Will meets a uh, hundred and ten year old time loaning businessman, uh, Philippe Weiss, and his twenty seven year old daughters. Sylvia at a casino. So he goes to a casino. He meets Sylvia. Sylvia is a little cutie to him. He's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. looking a little good. You got the hey, little, Sylvia. she got the bang. You know, she had the straight bang. You know what I'm saying? She, uh, she is. Yeah. She had the bang. Uh, so they're playing poker and we're, Will nearly times out because, um, you know, you bet your time. So he's betting with his arm. He nearly timed out, right? Going crazy. But he eventually wins over uh, a millennium in a flawless gamble. Did you hear what I just said? He won over a millennium. The man is, can be alive for forever mm-hmm. if he wanted to. Essentially, just forever alive. Yeah, listen to right. this. Which we means put our he dogs won up. so much money, essentially. Exactly. We put, we put our dogs up, and now they're under my legs. Y'all go on, y'all kennel. Get in there. Ooh, it's almost like you should have listened to your wife. It almost is. But anyway, we're going to get back to the story. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Sylvia invites him to a party after they go to the casino because uh, obviously, like, you know, there's probably some sort of connection there or whatever. And Will buys a new sports car and he just he drives there, right? Because now he's, can you imagine being poor? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then you get money. So all you want to, now you want to spend it on like the lavish stuff. You think you have to be lavish. He goes out right. and buys a new suit. He buys a brand new sports car that like costs a lot of money that literally would, there's probably, he could have, he could have gave like 40 people in his faction time for the cost of that money. I mean, for the, mm-hmm. for the cost of that car. Anyway, Raymond arrives and arrests Will. So Will gets arrested when they're at the party. Um, who, of course, he's saying, like, I didn't kill Hamilton. Like, goodness gracious. So rather than attempting to prove Will's guilt, he simply confiscates all but two hours of Will time. Explaining it does not belong to Dayton. In Dayton. So the, the timekeepers came and instead of just arresting him and trying to prosecute him, they took his time. Mind you, he won more time in the in the when he was gambling, right? Mm-hmm. So they only left this man with two hours. Here's another thing I got to tell y'all about this: the amount of time it takes to get from Dayton to New Greenwich is ridiculous. It's not even you don't even have two hours to get back, right? So essentially, it's a death sentence. He's gonna die, right? Which is crazy. But Will escapes and he takes Sylvia to Dayton as a hostage. But the Fortis gang ambushes him. Remember we were talking earlier about the Minutemen gang trying Mm -hmm. to get some money? They ambushed him and they took even more time, which only left Sylvia and Will 30 minutes each. Dude, this this story is crazy. Will went from having living day to day, trying to get time on his arm, to going to New Greenwich or getting more time because he saved somebody, getting 116 years, going Mm -hmm. to New Greenwich betting his money down to the second now getting a millennia to getting arrested getting his time taken away for only two hours and then getting carjacked when he got back to Dayton to leave them both with only 30 minutes mm-hmm. what a day what a freaking what couple a of day. days if it is a day if it's a day what a day if it's a weekend what a weekend so mm-hmm. they both have 30 minutes each so Will now is att- attempting to get some time back that he gave um to his friend so when he got some time, he did get some, his friend some time or whatever. So he attempted to get the time back, but his wife, his friend's wife tearfully explains to him that he had drunk himself to death. So his friend, who he loved, he wanted to give his friend some time. He gave him some time, but his friend took that time to go buy booze and he killed himself drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they managed to get by like every day selling Sylvia's earrings or that day to sell because she, she's rich. She had like the pearl earrings on. She right. sold her earrings. And uh, Will called 
Sylvia's dad and demanded a 1,000 year ransom to be paid uh, into the time mission, right? For the desperate. So it's like the, the time mission for the desperate is like the, um, the Salvation Army or whatever, you know, or the mm-hmm. soup kitchen. The, mm-hmm. you, people who are homeless um, or very poor, living out on the street, don't have no job. People can donate time and then instead of them dying, they can, the homeless can go get the time. But it's first come, right. first serve. So oftentimes you don't get time. You just, you might just die. Mm-hmm. So Will Waiting says, hey, right. Will's like, yo, if you, oh my God, how profound is that? Mm-hmm. You, oh, that, that just hit. Anyway, Will called Sylvia's dad and was like, yo, send a thousand, um, send, I mean, send a million years to the capsule for the poor in Dayton. Right. So then what happens is this is when it starts getting cold, bro. This is when it starts getting cold or a thousand years. What he said, he give me a thousand years and send it to the time mission for the desperate. When the dad refuses, when Weiss uh, refuses, Will releases Sylvia anyway. And Raymond, remember the cop, finds Will, but Sylvia shoots him in the arm. So Sylvia shoots Raymond in the arm. And Will gives Raymond enough time to survive long enough for a squad to find him and steals his car. Now, this is important. If Will was a bad guy. He wouldn't have given him any He time. wouldn't have given him no time. Mind you, Will don't have time. He got probably less than 30 minutes on his arm. And he's right. willing to still give the cop. Who was trying to put him away time. Because that's the kind of person that Will is. He grew up in Dayton. He grew up poor. They all for each other. And these people who are rich at the top are just like, you know, taking all the time away from everybody else. So Will gives Raymond enough time to survive and wait for his uh, squad. And then he takes the uh, police car. So now committed to ending the system. Right. Will is now like, I got to, we got to break down the system. We got to break down the walls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Will and Sylvia rob the Weiss time bank. So her dad's time bank, they rob it. Giving the extra time capsules to the needy, but soon realize that they cannot significantly significantly change anything as prices are simply raised faster to compensate for the extra time. Look how they do. Oh, you want to give them extra time? I'll just raise the price on it. And then they can't afford that extra time. That's wild. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. wild. So then the Fortis gang, the Minutemen, you know, they come back, they ambush them, but Will manages to time out uh, Fortis in an arm wrestling match, uh, and then he shoots the thugs, right? So they do a little arm wrestling match uh, for time, and essentially it's pretty cool. So, like, you know how you do arm wrestling, typically you would put on a table and everything else. This one is like a twisting one, and you just twist to see who takes out away whose time. If I twist you long enough, you can't twist back, you'll end up dying. So Will end up, he ends up winning that, and then he kills the, the other Minutemen, or they kill the other thugs. And he and Sylvia then decide to rob the wife's vault for now, a million years. So they rob it one time. It don't work out because they figured out, the other people figured out the system. So they're like, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to go back and get a million years. So Raymond chases them uh, back to Dayton, but fails to stop them from disturbing the stolen time. Having neglected to download his day's salary, Raymond timed out. How about that? Raymond, remember, Raymond's a police officer, right? The police mm-hmm. officer is living day to day. Right. He forgot to reload his time. So while he was running after Will, trying to serve the people, he he ran out of time. That man should have had more time. Right. You, you feel me? You see where I'm going? Right. You see where I'm going? Did the man that is supposed to be keeping the time ran out of time because the rich people didn't give him enough time. He had to live day to day. He got paid every single day in his salary. And that day with his salary was enough for him to live that day. That's wild. You get paid for a day. You work a day, you get paid a day. Mm-hmm. 
Which probably means you get no days off too. Right. Oh, or goodness you're gonna die. Gracious. <laughs> you're gonna die. You're gonna die. Anyway, Will and, and Sylvia almost timed themselves out, but they survived by taking Raymond's salary. So this scene is pretty powerful. Actually, they ran all the way to the cop car that the door was open. And literally with seconds to spare, maybe even like one second to spare, they they upload Raymond's salary now that Raymond's dead onto their arms and then they share it with each other. Uh, so now they got a little bit extra time. So TV reports show factories in Dayton shutting down as everyone has enough time and abandons their jobs. So everybody now has time. They're like, I don't want to work at these factory jobs. And right. uh, having seen the consequences of his obsession with the pair, Raymond's colleague Jaeger orders the timekeepers to return home. He's like, this is not even worth it. Just go home. Mm-hmm. Will and Sylvia progress to larger banks, still trying to crash the system. So they turn into a bunch of bank robbers trying to crash the entire system to where it seems much more fair. That right. is the movie in time. And I know that was a long synopsis of what it, uh, what happened and what it is. But I implore you to watch that film. Yeah, it's really good. And when you're watching it, you're like... I mean, it's a perfect depiction of money, right? So time is money in this movie. And everything that you explained, obviously some of it is a little bit exaggerated, but can be related to how money runs our country and our world. Right, everything. How everything revolves around money. And we'll get into it. I mean, that's really the topic of discussion today is going to be how money runs things and then classism, like the gaps between the different classes. So you have these people who have, you know, thousands or hundreds of years on their on Shit, their thousands time. of years, too. And then you have people who are living minute to minute, literally. Mm. So... Let's get damn, into it. Damn, damn, damn. All right. Well, first, before we get into it, mm-hmm. let's 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 rank the movie. How do you feel okay. about it? Rank one to ten. One being absolutely garbage, and ten being a great film. So I actually had never even heard of this movie until you told me about it, and you were like, oh, "I thought you, you were a Justin Timberlake fan." Um, <laughs> and I didn't even I never even heard of it, but I really really enjoyed it. I would say I would give it a nine. Mm. It it's a it's a really good movie. Um. I really enjoy, of course, Justin Timberlake, but just the premise of the movie is so powerful and just, I, I think it's a good movie. And I don't know if I'm just living under a rock or if it's just super underrated. No, I, it is super underrated. That's what it is. Like that's, uh, there's, it didn't get a lot of marketing. I remember I watched it in film though, when it came out, I mean in film, I watched it in theaters when it came out. Oh, it, um, it came out in theaters? I'm almost 1000% positive. When did it come out? Let's see. Here we go. Um, it grossed twelve million on its opening weekend, de- debuting number three behind Puss in Boots and Paranormal Activity three. Um, and it was released in two thousand eleven. Hmm. First, it released on the twentieth in Los Angeles, and then it released on October twenty eighth, two thousand eleven, with a budget of forty million dollars and a box office of one hundred and seventy four million. So it did not flop. No. At all. It did well in box office. Oh, so maybe I live under a rock. <laughs> but people don't... You can... I, I, I don't think that a lot of our listeners watch this film. 
Right. Like I don't. There's. I talk to people about this film. They're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, dang, y'all haven't True. seen In Time. It's just a slept on film. And when you watch it, it's one of the films I feel like. So I'm gonna rate it a nine two. It's one of the films that when you watch it, I feel like it it doesn't like change your life, but it has the potential to. Like mm-hmm. the the conversation that it starts in your own brain is amazing. And they did it because they depicted what we go through daily in a different scenario that almost hits more like home to us more. When we look at a right. dollar, right? I look at a dollar, I don't think of it as being as important as it actually is. Right. But when you look at time as being the currency, even though nothing has really changed, then we start thinking like, oh, damn. Like, this is a a different ballgame. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should start living my life like I'm... (laughs) Like, my life depends on how much money I have. Um, Like, the time that I have left. Because maybe I'll budget better. I'll be like, oh, um, I don't need to spend $5 on a coffee because that's five hours that I get to live. (laughs) Right, right. You know, and thinking like that. Maybe I should start viewing things like this. I bet my bank would... uh, be proud of that you just you really start thinking about what is important right and i think that we specifically from sylvia's character mm-hmm. that's what we see we see well that i like yeah go ahead sorry she's living mm-hmm. she didn't know what living is until she meets will and then she goes to Dayton. right right and she has to live minute by minute she figured out oh this is what living is right but go ahead because so what then you because then you actually have to enjoy something because I think that that's the, that's a great parallel. I mean, you have somebody who has nothing and then you have somebody who has everything. And when you have everything and you don't struggle or you don't know what a struggle is as breaking down the hierarchy of needs, of course, everybody struggles, but I'm talking about like struggling to live, struggling to find your next meal, struggling to keep the electricity on struggling to, have have shelter in general when it's 20 degrees outside you know like those kind of things right um it's very different and so like you said the level of living is different when you have everything and you're not wanting you're always searching for something else right because you're not satisfied or you're not complete i guess because you you there's no thrill in that (laughs) right it's gone but and I wouldn't say that it's a thrill to not have anything, but to work for something and to work towards something right. is... And to feel like you earned it as well. It's more of an accomplishment. It feels more of, of an accomplishment than just having everything. So, Yeah, I love this. And, and, and I really... And you know, if y'all don't know, I have this fascination with time. And I have my own theories when it comes to time. But So when I watched this, I was like, wow, I feel like this aligns with stuff that I think about and really being present in the moment and not thinking about the past and not thinking too far ahead. Right. Right. You don't get to enjoy what is happening right now. Katie will tell you this right now. We go to a concert. How often do I pull out my phone? Uh, Not very often. No, I get a couple of snaps Mm -hmm. and I just want to be in the moment. Right. Like I want to, I, when I, when I remember that event, I don't want to remember that I was pulling out my cell phone. I want to remember right. what was going on. Um, so I want to be all there. And, and this movie kind of puts into perspective what it means to be all there when every second is worth something more. True. So I will say though, when it's like my favorite band, 
I do like to go back and watch the videos. Like I go back, especially during 2020 when there was nothing happening. I love to go back and watch videos of Mayday Parade and State Champs and Kyle. I just love watching videos of that. But um, I also recently, and I say recently, like 2019, before everything shut down, tried to be more um, aware of where I'm at and my my space and what I'm enjoying rather than mm-hmm. trying to get it all on camera, you know? Yeah, because I don't, like, the way that the brain works as well is that if you continue to look through that lens, <clears throat> and if you even continue to share your memories through that lens, like, you looking at it and you enjoy it, and it's not to say you should not do this. What I'm saying is how your brain is going to work and how the memories will be structured around that event is based off of that video rather than how your brain would typically work is if you had such a great experience, sometimes your brain uh, overcompensates, right? So Mm -hmm. it will, um, it will just like bloviate what actually happened, which is why like our memories aren't even credible. But I would, for me, I would rather have that moment because to me, it seems bigger than what it is. You ever have a moment where you like, exactly. Like you, you say something like, Oh, you had to be there. You're like, Oh, look at this video. And then you show somebody this video and it doesn't and match the energy that's great. in your head. Yeah. That's it's, that's what I'm saying. It's because the energy that's created in the moment is there. There's a lot of other factions in your brain takes into consideration and factors that your brain takes in, into consideration that the camera is not going to show. Right. That's a very good when, point. When you continue to look at the memory through the camera or look at the, yeah, look at the memory through the camera, your brain starts to make your, the memory that you had the memory that's in the camera. So right. I'll be like, I, I like to get a couple of them just to like, you know, show off where I'm at, boom, boom, boom. And I want to be there. I want to see all the work you put into this moment. And I want to experience what you wanted to experience for me. And this is not to like crap on anybody who doesn't do that. I'm right. just, I just would like you all to be mindful about where you are at, what you are doing at every moment. And when you are in a moment where you're really experiencing something, I challenge yourself to like, if the concert's an hour long, cap yourself at like 15 minutes recording. Right. You know, I, I would hate for you like to look your at your phone song. and be like, a, right, yeah, a new song come on. Yeah, hit the favorite song. Do something like that. Like, you know, but um, if not, continue to do what you're doing. But I want you to live. And this movie kind of does that. So I rated a nine. Right. You rated a nine. Do you have? Uh, and we kind of really just talked about what we took away from it. Right. Right. All right. Let's see. Let's jump into the the more deeper topics, right? Which is obviously that this film depicts classism. And I'm going to go ahead and define classism for y'all. The haves um, and the have-nots. Yes. Jeffrey the definitions <laughs> The definitions from Oxford languages uh and Miriam Webster say, the why am I talking like that? Say that classism is, oh, sorry. Classism is a belief that a person's social or economic station in society determines their value in that society. It is also a behavior that reflects disbelief, uh, prejudice, or discrimination based on class. The systemic oppression of lower class and middle class to the advantage of the upper class. So those are the the two definitions um, of classism. So my question to you is, do you... One, think that classism was depicted well in this film, but then also, do you think that classism affects the society we live in today? Yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> Die um, deep. 
yeah, classism was depicted well in this film. I mean, you have the people who are at parties, the, the haves that are just at parties and gambling and um, living their best lives, you know, I'm doing living whatever my best they, life. Yeah, doing whatever they want. And then you have the have-nots who are standing at essentially a cash store or um, mm. a soup kitchen, you know, trying to get time to make it to through the night, you know? And so you really see, and I think that what is super powerful is that it's not even just the people, right? It's the whole neighborhood or it's the whole, the whole ghetto city. Yeah. And so I think that that really depicts, um, I mean, look at North Dallas versus South Dallas. You know, it is so crazy. Even when you're driving down the interstate, like the roads change. The roads in South Dallas, the interstate mm. is terrible compared to This is true. 35, yeah, North Dallas, you yeah. know, north or whatever. Um I don't know. It's it's so crazy to me and I think that the movie depicts it well, but also we your other question was, do we deal with it in our society? Right. Does it said? affect the society we live in today? Um, it definitely affects the society we live in today. I mean, just like it's depicted in the in the film, it's also depicted it, it's happening in real life. You know, you have those mm. who um, are struggling for their next meal. You have those who are living on the side of the road. I mean, how many how many homeless people do we have around our neighborhood? We have a lot. We have a camp. We have a lot. <laughs> There's literally a place with tents set up and um, like a neighborhood of homeless people. And we're in North Dallas, right? We're in the the quote unquote nice part. Right. So um, it definitely affects. And I don't, I mean... You look at who can afford medication and who can't afford medication, mm, who can point. afford health insurance, who can't afford health insurance, who can, you know, afford to go to the doctor and who can't, you know, to even make it there. Like who can drive to the ER if they had an emergency and who can't. Right. Um, and I don't necessarily think that and people make the argument of, well, the people who have money worked hard for it. If the people that don't just, you know, hmm. got a job, then they hmm. could do it. But there's so many factors that play into it. And while, yes, that's true to some extent, you don't know people's backstories. You know, like there could be someone who we watched the movie old last night and there was a, a woman in there who had debilitating seizures. She had epilepsy. Right. There may be someone who has a health condition that where they cannot work a they normal can't job work. because th- their body can't right. do it, you know? But it's also working as a privilege, right? Like I'm not entitled to a job just because I fill out a job application. Somebody has to still True. select me. So True. It, they could be out here trying to get a job and just not getting one. So right. it just, it's, it's, you just go get a job. I'm like, yeah. And then some people are going to say, well, I know jobs that are hired. I'm like, yeah, I've seen that before too. And I know some people who tried out for them jobs and applied for them jobs and didn't get it. Right. So. Very true. Working is most definitely a privilege. So, yeah, that's that's what I think. What about you? 
Um, I would agree with, I would agree that it affects the society we live in today. And we can just, you go outside, you will look and you can see, uh, what it is. You look at your taxes. I mean, that's when we get to the political range, that's what we talk about, right? We talk about the tax bracket and everything else. Mm -hmm. If you look at how the taxes for the top 1% have shifted, um, and how now the middle class pays actually more taxes, uh, then, then, then you kind of see what it is, right? Like they got a lot of money, but they're not paying on that money. And the middle class is like, um, I feel like me personally, I think, and I think it's because I grew up in middle class, but the middle class got it the worst. I don't, I won't say the worst, but when it comes to the fact that you pay taxes and, you, and they and people don't look at you for aid, they think of you as right. like, oh, you have enough. Well, you don't. Yeah, and they're not gonna give gonna you say. nothing if you ask. Right. Like when you look at financial aid, you know, if you make above a certain threshold, you make too much to even get assistance for a college education, which again is a privilege, but you make too much for assistance with college, but you still are living paycheck to paycheck. Exactly. Make Uh, it make sense. You don't even get some other government assistance if you, if you make, you know, too much, but maybe you have more kids or something, whatever situation Mm -hmm. you're in. So I think it definitely, uh, uh, affects the society that we live in today. Uh, what do you think is the most important like thing for high income people to understand about low income people? Okay, this is a difficult question. And the first time I read this on the sheet, I immediately popped up with an answer, right? Right. But um, I don't know if I can fully answer this because I've never mm. been in a high, a high income, income situation. Yeah. So I can't tell I can't say what they should or shouldn't think of because I've never been in that situation um so I can't say what they do or don't already take into consideration because when Mm -hmm. you think of people who have high income a lot of times they are uh and this goes back to taxes are donating to charities or nonprofits as tax (laughs) write-offs right and that's getting them a break but it looks good it looks good on it on them but Right. Their money coming back. Right. Exactly. So um, I just think that it's two different worlds. You know, you have it, it, it really is two different worlds. And I go back to saying the haves and the have nots. Um, and I'll just make this parallel. I feel like there are Instagram influencers who are so detached from reality Facts. that they don't even see what normal people live their day-to-day like, right? right. Or what quote-unquote normal people are doing or what mm-hmm. they want to see or want to hear. And I feel like that could be the same between high income and low income. They're just right. so detached that they can't even put themselves in other people's shoes. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um and again, that's coming from a place of me not knowing what it's like in their shoes, right? So I can't say for sure what they should or shouldn't do. So take oh, that yeah, with a yeah, grain yeah. of salt. I feel you. <laughs> I think, you know, we can say what, what we might think is most important. I, here's what I'll right. say. I'll flip the question. Okay. Well, I'll do, I'll do both. Okay. I'm going to start with low income to high income. Okay. I think that the stigma around the high income people is that they haven't worked hard for it. Now, granted, there's, and we're talking about the top of top of wealth, 
there was you got help along the way and i'm sure right you that's there was some sort of financial packet that's generational wealth you were Trust set up fund. for success yeah. yes so i'm not arguing that what i'm uh, what right. i am arguing is that that's not everybody like i got a homeboy right now i won't say his name but um he sells houses i mean he's a he's a real estate agent and he makes a good amount of money right. and he be busting his ass Right. I see him busting his ass twenty four seven and got it um, out the mud. And, and, right, you know what I'm saying. So you right. can't now if you want to flaunt and go buy a car and do that stuff because you can afford it. What it's gonna look like on the outside is the people who didn't know him is oh he got it from somebody. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? They're mm-hmm. not gonna see that he he the did work that. that he put in. Right. On the other hand, I got another homie who rich, who grew up rich, who mm-hmm. got it from his parents. Who didn't mm-hmm. get it out the mud. Uh, right. But the coolest thing about him, though, too, is that he's very humble. He knows that. Um, right. And so he, you know, he understands that, like, I had an opportunity and I was set up in a way that I could succeed um, that made it maybe a little bit easier to me. But I think the people up there to keep money, they still do work to keep their money uh, and keep their generational wealth. So that's from right. that uh, end of it. From the high end to the low end, the high income earners really got to recognize that the low income earners are not lazy. They're actually probably the hardest fucking workers out here. Yeah. The hardest workers out here. They may not be the most educated. That reminds me. uh, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. They might not be the most educated or. Yeah, they might not be the most like educated or they might have some other things with them or they might have fell into some, some, um, some odd life circumstances. Mm -hmm. But I have worked with a lot of low income people I've been around a lot of low-income people. I've never seen people work harder. Right. For sure. That's what, that's what irks me about the old, you just got to work hard. That is not true. That is a, right. a dream that they sold you. That's a lie. I right. woke up, I mean, I, I grew up seeing my mom work multiple jobs. She ain't rich. My dad worked the same job religiously, hard to the, to the core, worked through his process uh, and, and progressed through up to his business. He ain't rich. Right. I've seen plenty of people do that. Work four, five, six jobs. They ain't rich. Right. Working, working hard isn't the don't secret. Don't get started on uh, people that weren't born in this country coming over here. Thank you. Working just as hard. Thank you. Working hard is not the secret to being rich. Stop telling right. people if you just work hard, that's not the secret sauce. Right. There's so much more context. It's like when I get on uh, uh, Instagram or on TikTok and they talk about people losing weight, right? And they're like, oh, you just do this, do this, do this. And then like I find out later on they had like, surgery like weight loss surgery mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you lied you there was more to what your story was right and right or not like to say eat. that having weight loss surgery you don't work hard thank and you, you don't you diet just, and you don't work out but just you say still that. had help you still had help and say that right. don't don't leave out aspects of like oh um you know I, I you only have to do these two workouts or eat the or we only we ate 1200 calories a day and we lost this much weight but didn't talk about the seven hours you had to put in the gym Right. So don't. what I'm saying is make the, it's a complete picture. If mm-hmm. you are a high income earner, there is a complete picture. There's context. If you have low income, there is context. If you are middle class, there is context. We all did not. If, if everybody had their way, they would be rich. Right. If hard work was the reason why everybody was rich, would be not. Everybody would be rich. Yeah. So we have to recognize that there's something more at play than just hard work. So please stop telling people work harder yeah. because the people here telling work harder probably work harder than you. 
That reminds me, um, this is what I was going to say, of uh, there's this author, I'm not going to say her name because, you know, <laughs> slander. Um, there's this author who put on Instagram stories something about the lady who cleans her toilets. That's what she oh. said. Instead of housekeeper or whatever, she said, the lady that cleans my toilets. Um, and people took offense to that. And so then, instead of apologizing for sounding down, right? derogatory, mm. she doubled down and then she said that she wakes up at 4.30 every morning and she works harder than anybody she knows and there's nobody that works as hard as her um, and all this stuff. And people are like, the people that that wake up at four thirty to go into their office job or to go into um, whatever they're there's people out here working overnight shifts, right? Or there's people that wake up at four thirty and go to work and then get off at five and start another job. You know, like right? There's there's people that are doing just as hard of work, and just because they don't have the money to show it, doesn't mean they're not working hard. So Thank that you. is a pet peeve of mine. Is like. Work hard and you'll succeed. Yeah, okay. Right, that's what they pet also mind. say. Go to college and you'll get a job. Ah, we not gonna <laughs> touch on that. We not gonna touch <laughs> on that because I think that that kind of funnels into classism. But here's what I will ask you: uh, What's a common misconception do you think about classism? I got, I got a good one. Okay, you go first. You want me to go first? All right, we've talked about this and many people know where I stand on this. But I'm gonna talk about tipping, tipping real quick. Ah, I knew it. Gosh. I'm gonna talk about tipping real quick. Listen, and before not- he starts, just know that we have gotten into many, many arguments about this, and um, we still have our own opinions, but go ahead. Definitely. So, if you don't know the history of tipping, I will not give that here. However, it did. it is, as most things are in America, is <laughs> based on racism. That's racist! Uh, and classism. But here's here's what I implore you to think about. Not even I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to do anything else. Here's what I implore you to think about. Oftentimes, when when I get into this tipping conversation, I'm talking to people about tip. By the way, I still do tip. Do I not, Katie? You do. I just have my thoughts on it. So I tip, but I just have my thoughts. So when I talk to people about my stance on it and they get mad at me about how I feel about tipping, they often or almost always say, you're tipping because they don't get paid enough. They don't do this. You put the onus on the person to try to essentially classify them. this You have no idea what their situation is. They could be rich and just wanting to work a job. They can have enough money. They could have already made enough tips to cover what they're supposed to cover that night. But we look at people who we are tipping as less than in the lower income of classes. I think that we think, when we think about classism, we typically think on a macro scale but I think mm-hmm. on a daily basis, it happens on a micro scale, even with us. So I'm not saying that specifically tipping is classist. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if your thought process behind tipping is I need to help this poor person out, you have assumed that they are poor, you have classed them, and you have no idea who they are, how much they're getting paid, or anything else about their life. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's the common misconception what I'm saying is, is that you, everybody thinks it's so macro, but it's really on on every level. It's micro as well, and you probably uh, do some very classist things on a day to day basis. Right. But what do you think? Not on tipping, but 
you can tell me what you think about tipping, but what is what's a common misconception about classism to you? Um, just going back to what we were saying, working hard gets you, you know. And I, I do believe that work ethic and working hard do play into it, but there right. are always other factors. Always. Like you All can say, I started this business by myself. Yes, you did. But did you have a business thousand dollars to start <laughs> it? Or did you have, you know, two dollars to start it? You know, did you have help? You get what I'm saying? Well, if you got a loan, you got help. Yeah, true. So don't play that when people like, oh, I started this business from the Yeah, but the bank loaned you money. And right. you were you were blessed enough to I'm continue agreeing. to keep working and get that money back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So don't play that when people be playing that. I started my own business from the, yeah. But if you got a loan, shut up. Mm-hmm. Cause you didn't do that with no help. I hate when people say that. I had no help. Yes, you did. Right. But mm. Go ahead. That's another thing. We always talk about it all the time when people are like, I got here with no help. No, da, 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 da. That's a lie. Because especially when athletes say that, it really irks me because I'm like, okay, somebody had to take a chance on you. Somebody had to see your potential and put you in the position you're in. You worked hard to get there, but somebody had to take a chance on you. (laughs) Yes. Because everybody at every corner could have said no. Right. Regardless of talent (laughs) thank you that's what i want for people to understand somebody taking a chance with you on their team or whatever or something else is them helping you out to for the future right if you ever got hired for a job if you ever played for a team in any faction it could be small that's help yeah so stop saying nobody helps you you got help to get to where you were and then when stop you got it. there, oh yeah, stop get it. Then when you help. got there, people started looking for you to turn around and give that help back. And right. you keep thinking, oh, people asking for a handout. And I get it. If you don't feel like the people are actually helping themselves, you probably don't want to give your money and resources. And that's fine. It's yours. You you have earned it. Because even though they gave you the opportunity to play, you stepped out there and you played your butt off. Mm-hmm. Even though they gave you the opportunity to work, you stepped out there and did the work. I get that. And we get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but thanks for bringing that up because that is another common misconception. They did it by themselves. No, you did not. Stop lying to yourself. (laughs) All right. Let me ask you another question. (sighs) So we've kind of already talked about, do you feel like, do you want to talk about this one? Do you feel like if class is born, like if you're born into a certain class, it limits your opportunities for later in life? Mm. Or do you feel like we we touched that one? You want to skip it? No, I think this is a really good Let's question. Do I don't think Let's we do have gotten too deep into it. Um, repeat the question again. Sorry. Yeah, okay. So do you feel like the class you're born into limits the opportunities you have later in life? Mm. Yes and no. Mm, speak on it. So I feel like you definitely, and I've seen my friends do it. I've seen, um, I've, I've seen it happen where you are born into a family that's living paycheck to paycheck or, mm-hmm. um, a family that is struggling and then you make it on your own or you, um, you know, are working a professional job and you're doing really well. You're making more than even your family did, um, that's not me, but 
I, I know people that are, right? And they're doing better for themselves than they did growing up. And they came out of that. And that is commendable. And it's very, you know, exciting to see, especially when it's your friends or family that you um, look up to. But I think that that isn't necessarily the rule. Mm. Um, And I wouldn't say that it's the exception either. I don't know. Okay. So this is just, this is tough for me because I don't think that it, I think it depends on a lot of factors. So if you are born into something, say, say you are um, born into a low income family in Linden, Texas, right? Um, and you don't have the opportunity to leave Linden because you can't afford college, you can't afford to do something else, then, and I'm just using Linden because that's where I'm from. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying anything bad about Linden. But if you can't leave that situation, then of course you can't get better, right? right. If you, and there's some people that, you're born into a family and then you assume the role of a parent and you just like fall into these roles that you can't escape. And I think that that happens more than, than we think. That's just true. So I don't know. See, that's a, that's a tough question. And that's why I wanted to talk about it a little bit more. Cause I want to pick your brain on it because I think that I don't, I don't know. Mm. I don't necessarily think that, uh, it keeps you where you are, but I also don't, I, I don't think that it's easy to get out of. I don't think that it's easy to, especially when you're thinking like inner city and these impoverished neighborhoods who didn't have things from the get go. Right. So right. if you don't have resources from, uh, K through 12, if you don't have resources to help you test well on the ACT and SAT, you're not going to score well, which means you are not going to get into college, which means you're not going to get your dream job, which means you are not going to get money, which means that Mm -hmm. you are not going to get out of that situation. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is an example, right? It's a snowball. And so I think that you can get out of it. I don't think that it's that easy. What okay. is that? Okay, what is that um, Medea movie where the, ah. the two people are from the same place and one's a stripper and the other one's marrying the attorney, remember? You talking about Diary of Madback Woman? No. Are you talking... Um... Uh... Damn it, oh, now I gotta look it up. It? Were you talking about old buddy from Friday Night Lights, isn't it? And then our and then uh old girl from the Cosby show? It's the one where she's like know. a druggie, right? You talking about that yes. one? Yes. Okay, you said she's a dancer, but okay, so it's either I said she was a prostitute. Oh, I'm, I'm tripping. <laughs> it's it's um is it Medea Goes to Jail? Okay, that's what I was thinking. It might be Medea Goes uh... to Jail. Yeah, it is. It's Medea Goes to Jail. It's got Derek Luke in it and Tamala Mann and Keisha Knight and um well, yeah. of course it has Tamala Mann in it. Yeah, you know. But mm-hmm. uh it's definitely Medea goes to jail. Isn't that the one where she's like, If you, Lord, if you let me go out of the if you let yes. me get out of this, I'll go <laughs> I'll by go church. I'll go by the church. <laughs> I go by the church. 
Medea, I thought you said you were going to church. No, no, I said I'm I said go I was going the by. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yes, it's that one. Medea goes okay. to jail. But what uh, what were you saying about that? Um, what was the connection? That's kind of my example is that some people can get out and some people can't, and I don't necessarily. And that's what the the fiance was saying was right, right. why are you helping this prostitute because she had the same opportunity as you had to get out y'all come from the same place but and she didn't ex- understand she was like you know what i'm saying he like no you right. don't understand it, right. it i'm an exception right that's my whole point in bringing that right up. okay i feel you well thank you for making I bring that up a thought and then forget no it made sense you circled it thought. back around so <laughs> i appreciate that um but what yeah. are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you agree or do you have anything to add to that? I assume you would agree, but I disagree. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, I, I am caught up on the term limits. Like, is, is, if limits yeah. is a cap, then I don't agree. If limits is just like hurdles, then I do agree. So, I uh, and to your point, it's really the those like certain opportunities that snowball into something else, right? right? I'm not going to get the exact same privilege that I but I may have with somebody else. I'm not going to be in the exact same room. Um, or even have certain opportunities, like instead of me being able to, I'll put it like this. Here's another example. If, let's talk about a ball player, right? A ball player who grew up, who with parents who were able to uh, afford trainers, and they had this, mm-hmm. they said they had the same talent as a kid who was in a lower income, you know, grew up in the hood or something. Mm-hmm. But the rich kid was a uh, was able to afford a trainer who can play basketball every single day at his house, so he can practice every day uh, and get better at his craft, and he continues to do that. And you have a guy who has to work because he doesn't have, uh, his family doesn't have food, so he's providing for himself and his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then can only play basketball in some busted shoes um, whenever it's like not raining outside and the right conditions and the courts aren't taken up. So he doesn't have a lot of time to hone on his skills, and right? all you have is a rim, no net. That's it. So you don't even have like this, the ample, it's like, it's not, it's never a, le- a level, like a level playing field. That's right. not to say that those people don't get out. I'm just saying there's probably opportunity wise, it's limitless for the people who are at the top for sure to have the facility to be able to practice every single day versus I hope I can like my shoes don't bust so I can practice tomorrow mm-hmm. and the goal not broken. Mm-hmm. Right. There, there will probably be, um, and this kind of goes back to a long time ago, but like even like swimming and how black people don't swim and the pools in the, in the ghettos, in the hoods growing up and stuff like that. I didn't grow up in the hood, but uh, from stories that I read and people have told me they were always empty. So, of course, nobody's swimming. Mm-hmm. The, if they were able to swim every single day, I'm sure we would have some black Olympians who were swimming. Right. I'm sure we would have okay. uh, some, I mean, we got Tiger Woods, but <laughs> but mm-hmm. we would have more if golf was an accessible sport. You know what I'm saying? Right. If right. golf was an accessible Accessib- sport. Uh, accessibility, yeah. It would be, there would be so many more black athletes in golf. Right. But again, the class they grew up in limits them access to golf. Right. Not we're not talking top golf, y'all. I know you're going, oh, you can go get some clubs and da da da. But then you have to there's there's rules you have to to to, to be a member of a club. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have to go and, and tour around. So that costs money that they that you don't have. So somebody has to give you you have to rub the right elbows with somebody else who's willing to pay your way or to give you that shot, to put you on that team. Right. You know, so I feel you. I I think that limits to me is is more so like hurdles, um, but not if it's a cap, then I don't believe it because I think that you can transcend those boundaries. 
And that's my yeah. final question to you is like, how do people transcend those boundaries? How can you? Work hard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, that's uh, funny. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I think that, and like I was saying, I think hard work definitely does play into it, but I think that, um, don't let imposter syndrome get in the way. Mm, like don't amen. be, don't be your own obstacle, right? Like don't getting, don't get in your own way and don't miss out on opportunities because you mm. think that you don't <laughs> deserve it. That's my biggest thing is, when I read that question was, um, of course, working hard is, I mean, that's a given, right? Everybody wants to work hard to get to where they want to go. I don't know anybody who isn't trying to work hard at something, right? Um, even if you want to become a famous YouTuber because you play video games and stream it, like you're working hard doing that, right? right? Whereas some people may say that's lazy. You're working hard at doing that. So whatever it is that you want, you're working hard at it. And I think that that's a given, but I think that imposter syndrome, especially when you, if you started out with less than you have now, you kind of feel like, uh, an imposter and like you shouldn't be in that situation because that's not where you came from or that's not who you are. And I think that just don't, don't get in your own way, you know, mm. don't fumble the bag. No, uh, that's, that's how I think that you transcend boundaries is don't fumble the bag. And what I mean by that is this, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Your, your opportunity will come and it may be mm -hmm. small, but the small ones, if you, um, you know, drop a small stone in the pond and keep dropping a lot of them, you'll make a big wave. So mm -hmm. stay ready. And when your opportunity comes, knock it out the park because somebody will give you a shot. Somebody will give you a shot. And all you can do is do your best. And for the most time, if you do your best, your best will always do. So just make sure you're uh, ready. Stay ready, man. Stay ready, who man. Who said that? I said that. That's my quote. Do your best and your best will always do? Yeah, that's my quote. Oh, I thought your mom said that or something. I know I'm lying. I just, oh. <laughs> my mom, my mom said, Wait, my mom said mom the other day. Wait, your mom does say that. She did say that the, she other, said day, the other day. And I was yeah. like, what? Corey says that. I did, yeah. Shout out Wait, to my mom. Did she moms. say that to me? She did. And you said, oh, Corey says that. Yeah, How do you true. not remember this interaction? I, I remember. It's all coming back to me now. Goodness I have gracious. a bad memory, y'all. Oh, it'd be in and out. <laughs> be Listen. In and out. Have, Somebody suggest me... some uh, supplements, please. I know. Listen, I'm over here at my desk. I have 10 different sticky notes with 10 different notes because I have to write every single thing down. If I have a thought come to me, I have to write it down or it mm. will be gone in one minute. Well, y'all keep writing down y'all thoughts. And if you want to write something else <laughs> down, um, please write down a dollar sign with some numbers behind it in our Venmo and our cash app. Uh, so that we can get some some moolah and help us move this podcast forward. We really do have some big plans coming up. We do. Uh, we're, we're trying to rebrand. We're trying to we're we're trying to do live events, um, yeah. and so we want to create something very special for you all, and we want you all to be a part of it, and even fiscally a part of it. Like we want you to have a part, a stake in this um, in this podcast. You, this podcast is about you. We can sit here and talk all day, but we're nothing without listeners. So we appreciate that. Um, and if you appreciate us, please throw us some coin and please get on Apple Podcasts and drop a review. Please. Yes, leave us We're going to beg review. every week. Leave us a review. Um, screenshot that you're listening. Share it to your story. Tag yes. us in it. 
Tag um, us. We love to see that. We love to share the post when you're listening to us. So let us know what you think. Also, we love feedback. So if I say um too much, which I know I do, uh, <laughs> let us know. I just said it again. Right. Drop it in. <laughs> let the, us know um, because we want to make this podcast as enjoyable as possible for you all. Um, so let us know how we can improve or if we're doing a great job, let us know that too because we just want to keep being better that's it you know what i'm saying and as always katie gonna let us go with what as we always, always say when you are watching reba for hours on end <laughs> and ask are you still watching always press next bye